Welcome to the Enterprise Leaders Podcast, where we discuss the stories and lessons behind successful enterprise businesses. We talk to entrepreneurs, executives, and business leaders to learn from their expertise and explore the playbooks that are critical to building category leaders. Please reach out with any feedback or suggestions for guests to podcast at stormventures.com. Your host, Arun Penmetza, a partner at Storm Ventures, an early-stage venture capital firm based in Silicon Valley. Thank you for joining us. Today, we are fortunate to have Mahesh Bakshi with us. Mahesh is currently the co-founder and CEO of Provis Inc. and previously was the head of customer success at companies like Aptus and MyAli, where he was responsible for managing relationships with thousands of customers. We're going to be talking about the customer success function in organizations today, and what makes a great CS leader. Mahesh, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. My pleasure. So you've been the you've led the CS function across a number of companies. What got you started in the space? What got started in this space is my obsession for the customers. And when I say obsession for the customers, is really, you know, I really like to solve a complex business problems for the customers. And I've led services companies, I've led uh, SaaS product companies. So uh, you, you can solve the problems uh, through the services that you're providing to the customers, or you can solve the problems through the product and implementation of those products for the customers to solve a critical business problem. And, and so that is something that I, I thoroughly enjoy. I'm super passionate about uh, problem solving, but at the same time, problem solving is not all about uh, technology and implementation of your product. It's also about understanding the complex human nature. And there are so many people, so many stakeholders, so many personas involved. So I really, you know, am passionate about understanding that entire landscape of people and their personas and what makes them champion. And that's really got me excited about the whole customer success and the journey of customer success as it has evolved as well. Yeah, being customer first is obviously so critical and we hear that all the time. So that's a great point. In your view, what is the role of the CS team and, and how do you structure it? CS has taken many forms over the years. This what you understand is traditional customer success, but there's areas like support and professional services. And a lot of times these are used interchangeably. So can you just talk a bit about, in your view, how would you structure the CS team and what is the role of the team in your opinion? No, great, great question. So let me start with the role of a CS. You know, I think in the last two decades, the role of a CS has evolved. It has been a, a lot of experiments that has been done and a lot of evolving definitions that have come up. As the SaaS you know, product companies have taken off, I think the role of a CS has become extremely critical in any company. In fact, I would argue that you know, as much as you think of a sales function when you are going through a startup journey, I think that establishing the customer success from day one has become equally important as well. Because customer success is, a, is a responsible now for the retention, expansion, and renewals, which I would argue that it's equally, if not more, important than the sales function as well. I mean, it's important to make sure that your funnel is getting filled from the top from a sales perspective, but at the same time, you know, it's important from a CS standpoint to not have the leaky bucket and make sure that if you have the land next one strategy uh, that is being executed. That is the role of a CS. I believe it's an extremely critical role. So nowadays on, on back of SaaS product and this whole journey, you know, the TCV, the total contract value is important. And for you to achieve the total contract value, you have to hold customers for at least eight, you know, five to eight years, if not more. And to hold the customers for five to eight years, it's very critical that, you know, you have a function which is focused on the customer journey, which is focused on 
adoption of your product, which is focused on making sure customers are realizing value from your product year after year. And that's, to me, that's the only way that you can make sure renewal is guaranteed. Otherwise, there are no guarantees about renewal, right? So, so that is important for the customer success. The second aspect you asked about is the structure of CS and, you know, uh, how do you think of different parts of the journey and, and the functions within the CS? I think when you think of structure for CS, I think it, it depends on a lot of different factors, especially it depends on where you are as a company in your product maturity and, and the journey. Uh, it's important to start thinking of the segmentation of your customers as soon as you are like above 50 or, or some sort of threshold that you think is important that gives you kind of a diverse focus. Um, and based on the segmentation of those customers and where your product maturity is, you'll find the intersection of how do you structure the team which has the right skill sets to address the customer's needs of the journey, adoption, and value realization? What you do not want in customer success is a set up a team thinking that, you know, we are just going to do governance cadence and we are going to become messenger because that very quickly kind of falls apart. If customers start seeing customer success as messenger of some sorts, value realization of customer success as a function starts to fall apart. So that's something to keep in mind. Part of your question was... Um, you know, how do you think of uh, professional services? How do you think of customer success? How do you think of, uh, you know, technical support? If you think of a journey that is the customer journey, so as soon as the prospect becomes a customer and ink is on the paper, that entire journey is five to eight year journey. And depending on what kind of product you are, what kind of, you know, implementation life cycle that you have to go through to implement your product within your customer base, typically in the enterprise space, it's a professional services journey. Then there is a customer success who holds the customers for multiple years. And then, you know, there is a technical support angle to it. And I think each of them are distinct. Each of them is different skill sets. And each of them uh, should have a clear identification and definition of KPIs and the overlap. And to me, the professional services is where the customer's kind of rubber starts hitting the road because you have sold the vision, you have sold the moon to the, to the customer in some ways. And now you have to make really day-to-day implementation level decisions and those decisions are extremely critical and that's going to actually impact how your customer is going to be satisfied but more importantly whether they will stay with you for five to eight years because you know not all implementations can be like rip and you know uh, replace those are complex implementations complex business processes that you are automating and stuff like that so ps function is extremely critical to make sure that you are constantly focused on why did customer buy the tool what does the adoption life cycle is going to look like? And on back of that adoption life cycle, what is the value realization that customer is going to get? And make decisions accordingly. If you don't have that in front of you and you're making decisions in a void of some sort, you know, I've seen many, many implementations kind of fail or the journey after implementations fail because then customer starts to come back and say, well, we spent, you know, $2 million in this implementation and ARR of this product, but, you know, we don't like it or we don't see the value in it and stuff like that, right? Uh, so that's PS. The CS, obviously, you know, the journey of uh, making sure that the customer becomes your advocate, making sure that customer is happy with the, you know, usage of the product, customer is shown the value realization through whatever framework that you come up with about value realization is, is given, and then make the renewal and expansion kind of non-event through the focus on those aspects. And then comes the technical support, which is another important leg of that uh, stool, which is you know, in enterprise space, you're going to have product break fixes. And anytime you have a product break fix, you need to make sure that the team who is handling the product break fixes are um, giving 
a really good experience to the customers in terms of communication, the messaging, you know, where your tickets are and how quickly you can resolve and how you interact with your engineering if that break fix requires some sort of patch and stuff like that. So to me, the customer success is not a single function anymore. It's a combination of, you know, how you hold your customers through that journey is what customer success is. On the point of the journey, I think there's sometimes there's a tension between sales and marketing and how they sell the vision on what the product can do. And then the customer success and, like you said, the implementation and the services teams that are responsible for actually making the, the customer successful based on what the product really does, right? So how do you balance that tension? I mean, is it a lot of communication that you have to do? Do you advise the sales and, and marketing teams on what they can actually say uh, in relation to the product? How do you manage that? Yeah, so three things that, um, lots of experiments that I have had to do in the organizations because until you find an answer, you don't know that this is what's going to work. So you have to keep experimenting. The three things I would say is number one, sales guys are or, or should be aggressive by nature in terms of selling. They have to close and win new customers. Doesn't necessarily mean that you have to give false promises. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to lie to them about your, where your product is. But at, at the same time, you still have to sell right. the future. It's not about selling uh, only what you have. You have to sell the future. So it's a fine balance that sales teams has to achieve. And one of the ways to achieve that fine balance is the adoption of your value realization framework right from the sales cycle, right? Uh, rather than introducing your value realization framework later during implementation, one of the things that has worked very well for me and the organizations that I've worked for is you, you know, all the way from the sales conversations, once the fitment is identified, you actually start talking about value realization and you identify which categories or what are the parameters that's going to get you the uh, most value or desired outcome from the implementation of your product. And so if you have that as a constant thread, then the tensions are somewhat, you know, can be objectively resolved through, you know, that North Star of value realization, right? The second thing right. is, um, right. you know, uh, many companies have this philosophy that as soon as ink is on the paper, the sales guy is off to hunting the next one. I think it's important that sales presence is felt during the kickoff and some of the initial conversations until the customer feels comfortable with the new implementation team that's taking over and customer success uh, team that's taking over. And then they can slowly start kind of disengaging, right? So I think that uh, that overlap and transition is uh, super important to be planned in your sales process and implementation process. And then the third thing is, as you mature and grow, I think uh, having the sales executives as part of the sponsors and part of your governance cadence, especially the QBRs, I think is, is an important aspect as well. So between those three things, you know, something that can be worked out in terms of how do you reduce the tension? How do you make sure that each of those stakeholders are aware of, you know, what's going on with the customers, challenges, celebrate successes, all those kinds of things. Taking a step back, at what stage do you think companies need to start actively building their CS and support and services teams? I would imagine, you know, early on in a startup's life, typically it's the founders doing everything. And uh, how do you evolve from that to a more a structured organization to, in terms of CS? Seven years ago, if you had asked me that question, I would say you should have a critical mass of customers. But I think that the now the time has changed. And I would say, even if you don't have a CS function as a separate function in your startup or in, in uh, early on, the thought process of customer success needs to be there in the product, needs to be there in terms of how you interact with the customers, needs to be there in terms of how you're going to get your product live with the customers. Because... 
depending on the journey, depending on the size of the companies, you may wear multiple different hats, right? It's not that you're going to have 10 right. people in customer success before even you have 10 people in, in the sales and what have you, right? So, but, but the thought process of, hey, you know, what will happen once customer goes live? Am I going to constantly deal with escalations? Am I going to constantly deal with product breakfix? Because that consumes a lot of energy, a lot of time from something that you should be focusing on, next set of features, next set of maturity of the product and stuff like that. If that thought process is not there, and, and, and so that's one aspect of making sure that you know you have thought about that. The second aspect is if you think from a customer's perspective, customers are putting a lot of faith, a lot of uh, trust in you and your products, early, you know, especially the early adopters. And what you don't want is you know, really let them down by saying that, okay, sorry, you know, the implementation journey was really rocky or sorry, you know, you're not getting the value out of your product and stuff like that. That really is not the experience that you want to give because those early adopters are also going to be your early advocate. They are going to bring the network effect. So I would say the customer success as a philosophy should be there from day one. How and when you set up and hire the leader of customer success, I think that depends on your ARR and growth model. But the, but the thought process and philosophy should be there from day one. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I think the point about the, your early customers being advocates is critical because so much of the value in SaaS is captured post the time when the customer comes on board. So you want to make sure they have good experiences and that in turn can lead to referrals as you build your product. So that's a great point. Does your answer evolve in any way based on the segment or the kind of customers, you know, maybe SMBs versus enterprises, or is it more still the same? Let me answer this question in terms of, um, you know, what would a good CS look like versus a great, from a great CS in, in some ways, yeah. right? Uh, a yeah. good CS is, you know, a CS who is doing like regular governance cadence, a CS which is watching the adoption and the data and, you know, but also being reactive in terms of waiting for something to go wrong. Again, you have that journey. It's not like you can be proactive from day one, but if you are going to be reactive, you, you need to be really, really good at being reactive. And then obviously keeping customers happy. Now that's a good CS. What's a great CS? I think the great CS is a function or a set of uh, companies or set of uh, people who are using the data and tools to drive the realization conversation, the value realization conversation, right? I think if you are not going to take charge of how your governance cadence needs to be driven, customers will. And most likely, customers, when customers take charge of your conversation, top of their mind uh, is going to be 99% of the time the issues that they have faced between your last governance and this governance. Nothing right. wrong with it. But if you keep talking about the issues that they have faced, you can never focus on the strategy. You cannot focus on the vision. You cannot focus on the bigger things in terms of value realization. And then, you know, only you are there to be kind of blamed for. So a great company's great CS focuses on data and tools to drive the value realization conversations, both internally and externally. A deep understanding of the customer champions, right? I think that separates your good CS from a great CS, which is, you know, if, if you have multiple stakeholders, multiple champions, I think a CS... Uh, should really know what makes them champion, right? Because they are putting their foot down. They are actually taking your side inside their organizations because you are not party to every conversation that your champions are having internally. And so they are taking a stance for you. So you need to understand what is it that makes them champion and how can you, through your services or product, can actually help them project themselves as winner uh, in terms of the KPIs or whatever you know they are trying to achieve. Third one to me, which makes a makes it a great CS, is early warning signs, right? 
uh, use the data and tools in such a way that gives you uh, predictions, that gives you or, or makes you more proactive, that makes you give enough signals to have a meaningful conversation with your customers in your governance cadence, right? And, and yeah. so those early warning signs are important. And last but not least is really a great CS uh, or, or the customers uh, who, who are dealing with the great CS teams or great CS function would say a CS is my trusted advisor and not just a messenger. I think that separates you know, a good CS from a great CS in, in my view. I like the point about messenger versus advisor. I think that's a good way to characterize it. Talking about the actual data itself, are there certain metrics that you as a CS leader would look at? I'm sure there's a lot of areas you can look at, whether it's relationship strength or actual probability of renewal or engagement. So how do you think about looking at those metrics and having the right dashboard? That's an interesting question. And I think some people like to make it really complicated. And my philosophy is quite the opposite. I like the metrics to be really, really simple and really, really objectively measurable. So the companies where I've led customer success, I've had predominantly, I've had three metrics. And some people would argue three is too less, five, I don't know. I mean, my philosophy is three is good enough if you define it correctly, because you don't want to define metrics in terms of activities. You want to define the metrics in terms of objectively measurable outcomes. So the three metrics that I typically go by is uh, your NRR and GRR. Right, So your net retention rate and gross retention rate. Not that it's not important, but some companies you know, are more focused on the GRR than the NRR. So whatever those things are important. But I think that's a very, very objectively measurable metric that, that a CS function should own uh, and be accountable that's for. Right. The second one is uh, a number of referenceable customers. You know, that, that defines how successful you are. It's hard to define whether you should have a, a graph which is 10% quarter on quarter or 7% quarter on quarter. I think my philosophy is as long as your graph is going in the right direction, you know, that's good enough. Otherwise, it's hard to say whether you should have five customers every quarter which are advocates or which are referenceable. Because the referenceable customer speaks a volume about your uh, entire journey, how you are holding the customer together, uh, what they are getting out of you and all that kind of stuff. So that kind of speaks to everything, right? And the third, you know, matrix, which is in some ways it's objectively measurable, but uh, there is a little bit of subjectivity, which is the growth of a CS team and individual, right? Hmm. Um, in, in a sense that if you have a CS team, which, uh, which is not growing and the growth doesn't mean title growth, the growth means as your company is growing and you are going after more and more complex, you know, enterprises or complex customers, your ARR is growing and ACV is growing and all that stuff. You need to make sure that you, your CS team is growing to be able to take care of those complex customer needs as well. Because the hiring from outside is not always the answer. You need to set up your structure in such a way that your team is growing uh, as well to take care of those needs. So those are the three measures that I've typically used to see whether we are on the right track or not. And in terms of collecting this data, right, and maybe this goes to the tools discussion that you mentioned earlier, how would you actually gather this data? And some of this, I'm sure, comes from your systems, but things like understanding your champions, a lot of that probably comes from regular cadence or interactions with your customers. Yeah. So as a CS leader, how do you do you set certain policies on engagement or with how you collect this data? Yeah. So when we talk about collecting data, I mean, that's where the tools, you know, any customer success tools um, like Gainsight or Strike Deck or Customer Success Box, and then there are you know Churn Zero and a bunch of others, right? 
I, I think those two are uh, extremely critical in terms of um, how you use them. I think the tools have evolved and, you know, a lot of those tools are really amazing. But how you implement them and how you use that data, I think, is the key. I separate that data into like uh, two or three categories. The number one category is if your enterprise product is being implemented at a customer, what is it that you need? I mean, it's not like simple telemetry, but how do you know that customer is, is actually using the product the way it's supposed to be used, right? Telemetry tells you, yeah, how many people logged in, which screens they went and all that stuff. But if you're using a product, let's say that's um, targeted, uh, I'll, I'll take an example. Uh, one of our product was a CPQ, which was a configure price quote uh, kind of a product. Now, uh, obviously, the users log in and users will click around and they will, you know, do a bunch of things. But that shouldn't make me happy that, oh, you know, I have uh, 90% of the users logging in. Uh, where you need to really set up is, hey, is your CPQ really being adopted? So are the number of quotes that are being processed, is it improving? Is the cycle time for your quotes is reducing? Is the average quote uh, value is going up? Because that those are the things that you have implemented. Is your approval cycles are happening faster because you have implemented the approval processes, automated approval processes in the system. So if, if those things are not showing all the right thing and users are all logging in, you know, that's not where you need to be happy about. So that's one set of data that you definitely need to collect. The second set of data is related to the relationship. Now, obviously, nothing can replace the relationship in terms of, you know, in person, uh, unfortunately, because of COVID and all that, nobody has been able to meet in person. But but how do you measure the relationships? And some companies go after, you know, are you having a QBR or are you having monthly cadences? Are you having weekly meetings and stuff like that? Now, I think those things are important. But what I would go after is, are you doing the cadence because because somebody asked you to do the cadence or are you get, measuring the outcome of the cadence or success of the cadence itself? For example, you do a QBR and your champions didn't even bother to join on the other side. I mean, uh, the customer side, the champions didn't join. Now, yeah, yeah, you did a QBR, but you know, did your messaging get through? Did, did you have the right audiences on both sides and stuff like that? So I think it's important to measure you know, the outcome of your cadences. And the third one is a collective measure of your support tickets. If you have communities, then how active the community is or, or if customers are participating either in terms of asking questions or answering questions and, and stuff like that, because that shows that they are really passionate about what they're doing about your product. So I think those are the three just kind of areas that I would say, you know, you set up your tools and data to give you some sort of indications how healthy your relationship with your customers is. Yeah, and those are great points because it also seems like you have to take a go a couple of levels deeper than what the high-level data would show, right? And I think that's really important to really understand what's happening with your product and customers. One of the metrics you mentioned earlier on was just to see how your CS team is evolving, right? And that's something you said you really care about. Uh, so taking a step back and thinking about the people aspect of CS, you know, CS, I'm sure, can be a very challenging and stressful role since you're dealing with customers all the time and you know, sometimes customers might be upset at what's happening. So how do you think about building that team? Are there certain traits you look for? Or how do you think about the load balancing in terms of how your team engages with customers? From a skills perspective, you know, I think few things that I usually look for or, or at least look for as in, you know, if you're hiring for people, obviously, those are the things that you look for. But I think what's important is the whole learnability aspect, because 
none of us are perfect. None of us have necessarily the skill sets in every situation. But as long as we are, you know, our learnability factor hasn't died and we can adopt new things and stuff like that, I think that's important, right? From a skill set perspective, usually in customer success, and I experimented hiring people from sales background. I experimented hiring people mm. from the implementation background, relationship background. So a lot of experiments that uh, I've had liberty to do and, and see what actually works. I'm talking about back in 2015 when uh, I was running customer success at Aptis. The one thing that I would suggest to look for is whether you call it trusted advisor or not, the ultimate goal that you will evolve with or ultimate goal that you will drive towards is to become trusted advisor for your customers. And definition of customer advisor could be different depending on how you define where your product is and stuff like that, but doesn't matter. You will have to become a trusted advisor to your customers. So, and not all of us have ability, patience, and skill set to become trusted advisors. So, one of the things I would look for in the team is either you have ability, either you are already, uh, you know, experienced enough to become trusted advisor, or you have ability to become trusted advisor for your customers. So that's, I think, to me, is extremely critical. Part of the trusted advisory is ability to build and maintain relationships across different levels, right? Because customer success sometimes could be dealing with uh, users of the system. So that conversation yeah. is a fairly detailed at a weed level. But obviously, you are also talking to the CXOs or your champions or your buyers, you know, economic buyer and stuff like that. So ability to really converse meaningfully with uh, various audiences, I think, is important in a customer success. The third one is, uh, and which is to me is the most important, is really someone who can understand and map the customer journey as they're going to go through, look through other customers in other industries or similar industries and be able to internalize and leverage that knowledge to establish uh, himself or herself as one of the valuable players for the customers, right? So you need to be able to articulate, you know, if, if, if they're implementing or automating a business process through your product, it's important to help them, you know, some of the do's and don'ts, some of the things that they should avoid. But it's not just, hey, you know, you should not do this. No, that's that doesn't work. You need to be able to articulate in such a way that, hey, by the way, there are, here are three other similar customers where we have done this. Here are the lessons learned. Here is, you know, how we overcome that challenge. Here is my kind of uh, lessons learned for you, right? So that's when you become more of a trusted advisor, so to speak, and that's when customers will be open to take it. And last but not least, I think from a skill set perspective, it's it's really the deep understanding of your own domain and product, right? I mean, I, I'm not saying that every CS should really know the, everything about the product in and out, but you should be able to comfortably just log in, demo the product, talk about some of the features, and be able to comfortably, you know, know what are the do's and don'ts within your product and domain. I think without that, you again, you you very quickly become a messenger and you become dependent on a lot of other uh, yeah. groups. In I think personal focus, uh, from a personal training perspective, I would say being able to focus, you know, I mean, customer success, like you said, I mean, you are surrounded by issues all the time. I mean, if, if you have a portfolio of 15 customers, you are going to be bombarded with either emails or phone calls day in, day out with uh, issues. And typically customers, uh, not at their fault, but they will reach out uh, aggressively, especially if they have issues, right? If everything is smooth, yeah, they will wait for your governance cadence to kick in and stuff like that. But if not, then they are going to reach out. So you need to be able to focus, you know, through all of that distractions because uh, distraction probably is not the right word. I think that's unfair. But you are going to have a lot of things happening around you and you need to be able to juggle all those balls in the air, but focus on what needs to be focused on in terms of what you're working on. 
The second is collaboration. I think customer success yeah. is greatly a collaborative function. And, and the reason it's collaborative is because while you are the voice of the customer inside your organization, very rarely you are going to have ability to either do a product break fix or write a new feature or fix something or create a report. I mean, that's not the role of a CS. So, the, you know, while you are the voice of the customer, you need to internally collaborate with like sales and marketing and product and engineering, product success teams, technical support, right? A lot of those uh, teams that you have to collaborate with. And externally also within the customer base, you may be dealing with multiple different groups and multiple different people. So you need to be collaborative by nature. You, you should be enjoying the collaboration and you need to understand all the nuances that comes with the collaboration. And the last one I would say is gratification. You need to celebrate smaller successes. You need to be you know, have that gratification factor because otherwise all you think of is the issues and not celebrate smaller successes and smaller wins. Uh, I think this can become a really uh, difficult role uh, for anyone. It doesn't matter who you are and how many years you are yeah. for anyone. Right. How do you think about load balancing? You mentioned 15 customers earlier, but I assume it varies tremendously based on whether they're larger customers or smaller customers. Yeah. The load balancing, uh, you know, at least my experience, what I've done is uh, in two, three different ways. One is the tool plays an extremely critical role in load balancing because the tool should be able to give you uh, kind of proactively and combination of early warning system, tools should be able to give you a lot of indicators that otherwise, you know, would be very difficult or you would have to spend like significant number of hours to really figure out what you are going to converse with your customers. So that's number one. Uh, Number two, in terms of load balancing, at least what I've done in the past is if you're going to have 15 customers, let's say in the enterprise space, what you don't want and what we have always tried to do is you identify customers in two different ways. One is you don't want all of those 15 customers to be going through the implementation journey and going through the hyper care and going through the teething trouble all at once. That means you are not going to be able to do justice to the customers and you yourself are going to repair it. So you want to balance and inherit some of the customers who are at a steady state, inherit customers who are going through hypercare, and then, you know, kind of uh, allocate some customers who are going to go through the implementation. So that way you have kind of a balance act of, you know, who needs what and, and you can kind of grow through that journey with those customers. So that is very critical uh, kind of uh, to think about. And then... You know, the third is really a function of uh, the maturity of the product. I mean, to achieve the retention renewal, is it that I have to spend 10 hours per customer because that's the nature of our product and maturity? Or, you know, do I have to spend two hours per customer because product is mature and I only have to deal with this aspect? So I think those three things is is something that we have always considered in terms of creating that portfolio uh, for the CSMs. Now, I have to be honest, I mean, as much as that's a wish list, it doesn't always come true. Uh, but that's something that we try to achieve uh, wherever possible. You know, the world definitely changed, you know, with COVID and teams are a lot more distributed right now and and, rem- and working remotely. How does that impact the CS function? You talked a bit earlier about, you know, you probably can meet your customers in person, at least today, and hopefully that will change over time. But any impact on how you build and manage CS teams as a result of that? Fortunately, the COVID has, uh, you know, the entire world kind of grappled with this challenging situation for the last 15 plus months. And that definitely has placed challenges for sales functions who typically are on the flight all the time. So that has been difficult. Customer success where, although all these technologies are there, I think, um, you know, nothing still replaces a face-to-face conversation, hallway conversations, you know, casual conversations over 
uh, a coffee or drink and and stuff like that right at least to me you know i can't wait for covid to be over and get back to that uh, somewhat new normal world but given the situation i think couple of things happened one it became crystal clear how important the function of customer success was because more and more companies more and more product companies uh, realized that retaining those customers during the covid time was more important than winning the new customer right if you wanted to keep going and if you wanted to have that uh, kind of growth uh, at the right time i think that became absolutely crystal clear and uh, the second thing that became you know i'm i'm advisor to a couple of companies as well in customer success function and and the other thing that became clear is all of a sudden your champions started to understand the importance of the data adoption and value realization so i've seen a tremendous shift through the covid uh, where typically you are pushing the value realization framework onto the customers now all of a sudden i've seen that become a two way conversation and customers your champions wants to make sure that they are getting because every decision every dollar spent is being looked at microscopically and and it has become a two way street to make sure that wherever you are investing you can get most out of it so while from a customer success perspective you can't get on an airplane and all that stuff i think uh, uh, some of these uh, conversations about early warning systems adoption frameworks value realization frameworks i think that have actually been accelerated in terms of uh, customers really paying attention to those and and so i would say that that's a good thing that has happened for customer success as a function out of this challenging times that's a great point and looking ahead what are you most excited about 2021 and beyond from a cs perspective how do you see the industry evolving there so i think uh, you know 2021 and beyond in terms of a uh, few things that's that i think from a trending perspective that's going to be accelerated at least for this decade i would say which is the customer success is going to be a fairly mature function when it comes to the retention and renewal a pure retention and renewal function and i'm not talking about all the activities now because i'm talking i'm focusing on the desired outcomes right that's the desired outcome obviously you do all kinds of activities including uh, your community and user forums and governance cadence and hypercare and uh, qbrs and you know you do all of those activities to achieve the desired outcome right so that's uh, important but i think it's going to mature very quickly you know especially the saas products and most of the companies that you can think of would have land and expand strategy and i think i feel that is one area which is still being experimented quite a bit both in terms of the skill set so it's being experimented both from a skill set perspective and where does this function the expansion function really belong i have had an opportunity to experiment that myself but but overall cs is going to be like one stop shop or one place to go for all customer journey related artifacts journey related items journey related experiences yeah because the experience economy is the other thing that you hear and and you know customer success plays a tremendous role in that experience economy at least from the adoption of your tools and adoption of your relationship perspective the skill set that i was touching on earlier where whether customer success should be a defect to expansion vehicle or should there be a kind of a install based team should that be a sales function uh, and there should be some sort of overlap in terms of healthy overlap in terms of uh, how do they collaborate uh, to achieve the expansion i think that's something uh, i'm curious to see how it evolves because yeah, th- there's a direct conflict in my mind about being a trusted advisor and being a farmer in the sales function right it's two slightly different skill sets and very rarely i've seen that if you have the skill sets to be trusted advisor 
you most likely are not going to be a hunter or farmer. And if you are a farmer, you most likely don't have patience to become an advisor, right? So it's a it's a uh, difficult skill set to find in a single person. And even if you find like say five or ten people like that, if you want to scale to hundred people team with those skill sets, I think uh, at least I've had tremendous difficulties to find those kinds of people. Uh, so I think uh, that is a function within CS that is yet to be seen, or at least something that I'm curious to see how the industry evolves. But retention and renewal, accountability, ownership, driving anything and everything that takes, just like the sales function drives uh, the top of the funnel, the customer success de facto accountability ownership for retention and renewal, I think that that is going to be established very, very strongly for customer success. And I think it all ties back to being obsessed with the customer, like you started out the conversation with. So that's great, Mayesh. Well, that's all I had in terms of questions. Thank you so much for your time and all the insights. Absolutely. It was my pleasure, Arun. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Enterprise Leaders Podcast with Storm Ventures. If you like our content, make sure to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. Till next time.